I'm Cody. And I'm Dana. And you're listening to the Goddamn Football Podcast. Stomping through the club like I'm Rick James. Stomping through the club like I'm Rick James. Stomping through the club like I'm Rick James. I get star status. Hey. Star status tonight. And we ain't stopping till they cut on the lights. That's right. All right, folks. We are uh, ready to continue on with episode 9B, we're going to call it, <laughs> since it's our double header. This is going to be our post-game for the Super Bowl. Uh, first of all, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You had one hell of a defensive dominant performance. Um, I can't remember a defense in the last few years that was that intrusive. You know, I can the last time I remember a defense that dominant on the line of scrimmage uh, was probably, you know, the straight-hand Giants. I'd say Seattle against Peyton. Yeah, that was pretty dominant as well. I um, forgot about Seattle against Peyton. Yeah, that, that game was pretty pretty lopsided. But, yeah, you don't see these defensive Super Bowls very often. <laughs> yeah, you really don't. I was highly, highly expecting shootout. Um I love the play calling ability of Andy Reid, but I just I felt like um, the Chiefs really didn't have an answer for that amazing defensive line. However, Chiefs were missing, you know, essentially their starting tackles, similar to the the Packers, you know, when they played Tampa Bay. Um, and you can really see what having two really elite pass rushers will do, especially if your O-line's in disarray. Um, Pat Mahomes had nowhere to go with the ball all night. They had an excellent game plan to essentially double three deep all game playing a cover two. Uh, I really feel like Mahomes is super, super talented. Like, the, the throws he made off-platform were, like, you know, I've seen Aaron Rodgers make some off-platform throws, but Mahomes was literally horizontal on some of those throws. Like, he, it would have been a sack if it was Rodgers, for sure, on a, probably three or four throws. And Mahomes is throwing dimes, and his guys aren't bailing, bailing him out. Uh but that said, where I can see a difference that Mahomes need, needs to develop is diagnosing that pre-snap. Um, you know, he needs to get his O-line in a better position to block and know where the blitz is coming from. Sure, sometimes you're going to get surprised, but I definitely don't feel like he always had his outlets. Uh, he was very human in this game. He was made to be a system quarterback instead of the inhuman, amazing, talented player that he is. I don't know. What, what do you got? Um, to me, there's two differences in this game. Or two issues. Um, Andy Reid's clock management, which was a problem when he was with the Eagles as well. Um, he had clock management issues in Super Bowl thirty nine, and um, but the major difference to me 
was Tampa Bay was scoring touchdowns and the Kansas City Chiefs were kicking field goals. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, that's what it all boils down to. Red zone. Yeah. Red zone efficiency. And Chiefs really weren't running the ball much either. Um, Especially on first down, you know, if they ran the ball and it was a good chunk play, it was usually on second or third down, you know. Um, maybe it's you're, you're playing to the weakness of the defense and you didn't run on first down on purpose, you know. Like, I understand all that. It just seems like sometimes you got to dictate, you got to try to run that ball a little more. Um, they really – the, the whole game just played in such a big favor to Tampa Bay. Uh, as soon as they got up a couple scores, it was kind of a wrap because they pinned their ears back, put pressure on. Mahomes wasn't reading fast enough to get the ball to the open guys or guys just weren't getting open. Um, you know, as stacked as I thought that offense was, they looked very, <laughs> very, very uh, piss poor. Yeah. And they looked defeated. Basically, yeah. after they were down 14-3, I honestly felt like they were just out there going through the motions. I didn't see a fire, a spark, an uplift. And it's funny because Tampa Bay was up 14-3, and they were ferocious and fierce, and they had more of a fire as the game got on. You know, the chippiness and all of that. I don't agree with some of the unsportsmanlike chippiness, but um, at the same time, you could tell they were fired up. They were thirsty. They were going to steal that, or, you know, they were going to take that victory. I kind of I kind of felt after Tampa Bay went up 14-3, and that's you don't feel very often with Kansas City, but Tampa Bay went up 14-3 and it just felt like it was over. Like, that's just what it felt like. Yeah. Like, okay, it's over. Yeah. Because Kansas City ain't got nothing. Yep. I mean, they got Travis Kelsey's a star tight end in the NFL, and he just, he didn't show up. I mean, he he put up some good stats, some decent stats, but, I mean, he just, he didn't have them game-breaking plays. You saw him drop the ball several times. Um, Tyreek Hill... I mean, he caught the ball on short routes, but hell, me or you can go out and catch them passes. They were not beating their man coverage very well across the board. You know, there of course, there's a few plays you see Tyreek get open, um, Kelsey get open, but it's like, I don't know if the Saints and Packers receivers are – a little more underrated, aside from Devontae Adams, of course. But they definitely, you know, even though Saints didn't play very well either versus Tampa Bay, they had more man coverage beat across the board than Kansas City. You know, maybe Tampa Bay just had it locked down. They had the perfect coverages called all night. But I also felt like their receivers, surprisingly, weren't beating their coverages. And I'll be honest, um, I mean, I wasn't real, I didn't think Dave Bay's receivers were all that great, either, to be honest. 
No. No. I, <laughs> Tom Brady didn't have to make any spectacular plays in this game. He literally just went out there and executed the simple game plan of the offense. You know, most of his deep bombs were overthrown. Uh, he, I mean, he did everything he had to do. He didn't play a spectacular game because he didn't have to. He just literally went out there and executed the, executed the game plan. That's all he had to do. And that defense just shut, you know, the Tampa Bay defense just shut down Kansas City and it wasn't even a game. You know? Yeah, which is crazy. Because <coughs> normally every Super Bowl there's that one big play, that one, you know, play that sticks out. Like, the Giants, when they beat Brady the first time, the Tyree catch over the helmet. Yeah. Or when Pittsburgh, um, who the hell was it they beat? Um, I don't remember who they beat. San Antonio Holmes, sideline, end zone, touchdown, grab. You yep. know, um, yep. there were, I mean, there was nothing even close to that. Yeah, the touchdown to, the second touchdown to Gronkowski was probably one of the most difficult throws that Brady had to make all night. <laughs> and it was a wide open touchdown in the back of the end zone. Yeah. Like... Or like, like the Eagles with the Philly special. Yeah. You know, there was just no special play. Yep. Early in this game, it was almost like it wasn't a Super Bowl. Yeah, it, <laughs> it just it was very anticlimactic, just like the halftime show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it fits 2020, though. Sure does. I, and I feel, I kind of feel, I love Andy Reid, but. I kind of feel like this is the road that the Chiefs are going to head down. Like, everybody's expecting the Chiefs to turn into the New England Patriots or the Indianapolis Colts back in the early 2000s. And I, I just, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Yeah, because I don't know how uh, long Andy Reid's going to keep, co- going to be able to keep coaching unless he kind of gets his health under control a little bit. And to me, he's just like, he looks like he's. Uh, an old obese man who is somehow able to be really sharp mentally, but you know his body is not keeping up with his mind. You know, I don't know about you, but I definitely get that. Just looking at him on the sidelines, I'm like, this guy's gonna end up dying of a heart attack or something, and I don't want that at all. I want him to be around because he's a brilliant call play caller. Ah, uh, I. So I don't think that's the issue to me. What I'm talking about is the fact that they had to pay Patrick Mahomes that big ass, you know, contract, and you got Tariq Hill's contracts coming up. They just paid Travis Kelsey. They just played a couple players on defense. I mean, you only got so much money going around. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you got a a great quarterback like Mahomes, that you feel like the team is aware that he is a potential, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback. And he's already probably a second or third round bid Hall of Fame, at least just because of his, you know, early career numbers. Yeah. Um, But they're talking long-term. I think the Chiefs are aware, you know, that he has the potential to rival 
Tom Brady as the greatest of all time one day. So you do what it takes. You try to position the team every single year for a, a Super Bowl run. And, you know, um, it's funny because other teams in the NFL, you know, they, they don't do that. They have rebuilding years and things like that. So the Chiefs really can't afford to do a rebuilding year. Um, we'll, we'll see if they can manage to keep him. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that they're like going to miss the playoffs and go 4-12 or something like that. But I, I think they're going to take a step back. Yeah. Maybe, you know, be kind of like the Buccaneers were this year. I mean, the Buccaneers were a wild card team. Yeah. So. A lot of people are already putting Buccaneers, you know, the way they finished this season, obviously. They're putting the Buccaneers right back in it next year. Yeah. Tom Brady's going to get his eighth ring, is what they're assuming. I'm like, fuck that. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Kansas City's set to lose a lot of talent. And from what the way the announcers were talking, I don't, I haven't studied uh, Tampa Bay's roster too much, but they're not losing a whole lot of talent. No, they are. They are. They got a lot of guys on a one-year deal. Gronk one-year deal. Uh, Leonard Fournette one-year deal. Sean McCoy one-year deal. Um, Chris Godwin's contracts up. Um, but those are all easy. One-year deals are easy to just re-sign another one-year deal and not take a huge cap hit. I mean, yeah, but God, one, I mean, he just he only made like $700,000. He's going to pay. Yeah. Fournette's the same way. I mean, Fournette just took a one-year deal because he was he was uh, released right before the season started. Yeah. And Sean McCoy was in the end of his career. He's probably done. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll look up. We don't have to get all into that right now. You want to? Um, I did. Unless you want to, I I got some other things I'd like to discuss as well. Oh, uh, that's ten minutes. Whoops. You were like, who the hell are these guys? Yeah, I was, dude. I was like, what the fuck? Looks like they got... No, they got a lot, dude. That pass rusher that kept sacking Brady, Shaquille Barrett, his contract's up. Um, the other outside linebacker, Levante David, his contract's up. Rob Gronkowski, Nagama Kinsu. Um, another D tackle, Steve London, tackled Joe King, Larry Fournette, Antonio Brown, Ryan Smith, the backup quarterback, both their backup quarterbacks, Kevin Minter, inside linebacker, Ryan Suck up the kicker. Yeah, these are all their free agents, dude. That's a lot. Thirty one out of fifty four. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, they're, they're set to lose talent. Yes. Uh, we can go ahead and go on with whatever you want to talk about. Oh, um, 
Mostly, I just don't want to talk about Tom Brady anymore, so I'm moving on. <laughs> I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, fuck Tom Brady. Right, fuck Tom Brady and fuck Tampa Bay this year. Because <laughs> Tom Brady's on that team. <laughs> if it was any other quarterback, I would have been fine with it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the Packers' recent signing of defensive coordinator and promotion within of a special teams assistant coach uh, to the special teams coordinator. Uh, I'll start with the special teams coordinator. Um, the guy that doesn't have any full coordinator experience. He's always been a positional or an assistant uh, by the name of Maurice Drayton. Um, He seems like a good guy. I've read a lot of good things about his communication skills and stuff, but for three years in a row, the Packers have been in the bottom five special teams overall, and Drayton's been there all three years as an assistant special teams coach. So I'm really baffled as to how you think he's going to go from an assistant to the guy and he's going to turn the whole special teams around to being top five. That's that's the article I read. They, they expect that he's going to turn that special teams into a top five unit. And I'm just like, how? You know, he was the assistant. Did he not have... The influence before, you know, like if he's that good to to believe in him so much that you didn't want to lose him to other teams and you thought that, you know, you needed to hire him as your full, your actual special teams coordinator. I don't know. I'm just not buying it. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to trust in the, the Packers organization for making that decision. It sounds really to me like... Um, Matt LaFleur made a buddy and he really likes him and it's more of a personal relationship to keep him in. And that scares me because you got to keep personal relationships out of business. Um, before I move on to the defensive coordinator, do you have anything you want to say about Maurice Drayton? I don't really know who he is, but it is weird. And they fire one guy, but they hire his assistant. Yeah. Um, normally, things don't go that way. Um, but I will say that maybe there's something that somebody knows. Yeah. I, I really want to believe that. I mean, assistant is an assistant for a reason. Like, like assistant can't over... Yeah, I mean, you can't, you don't make all the decisions. You don't, you know, um, write down all the X's and O's that the the head special teams coordinator would. So, you know, maybe this guy just needed a chance to be the guy to make those decisions rather than just say yes sir, no sir to his boss. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, that's what I will say about that. Yeah. But, again, I agree with you. It don't really make sense. 
Yeah, I'm I'm baffled by it. I'm gonna move on to our hire of Joe Barry as a defensive coordinator. Joe Barry is an older guy. He's been around for quite a while. He's had uh, two other stints as a defensive coordinator. He was actually on Tampa Bay's Super Bowl championship team uh, as linebackers coach. I think it was Super Bowl 37. 2002. Yeah. Um, I just... Both of his stints as defensive coordinator haven't worked out that great. Uh, his first stint, I think his defense ranked bottom three or four. Second stint, they were right in the middle of the pack, 17th, 18th. And his linebacking cores have always been really solid. So to me, it's like all signs point to this guy. I know how much he might want to be a defensive coordinator, but he is suited to be a positional coach. All signs point to he's one of the best linebacking coaches out there. He's always had excellent linebacking cores. But we're giving him a shot as D coordinator. And I honestly think, yet again, it's a personal relationship that Matt LaFleur is bringing in versus making an actual business decision. Uh, Because he came from the Rams. We all know LaFleur has ties with the Rams and Sean McVay. Matt LaFleur's brother coaches in uh, Los Angeles. So... I just, I really feel like, yet again, it's another personal decision. He's bringing in a guy that he knows. And sometimes that can be dangerous. And if I'm going to project, you know, Aaron Rodgers to have another MVP season next year, I can't ignore the fact that he might not because our defense might be terrible and our special teams might be terrible. You know, um, I, I'm just crossing my fingers that Packers know what the hell they're doing here because both of these decisions were just a bit confusing. You know, I, I feel like there's definitely better better guys out there to get as your defensive coordinator, uh, more well-known guys even. But we'll see. You know, the, the rap that Joe Barry gets is that he's very aggressive, um, and very high energy. So, you know, I don't know how aggressive and high energy you can be when you're like 60 years old, but uh, we'll see what he brings this, to this defense. I want to add on to that. Um, I don't think they should have fired Mike Patton. I don't either. I um, thought he finally got that defense rolling at the end of the year. Yeah, I agree. Um, so well, they didn't fire him. They just didn't rehire him. His contract expired, and they didn't resign him. I mean, basically the same thing, right? You know, um, writing. I mean, writing's on the wall. Like we're not going to give you an extension. Clearly, we don't want you back. Yep. Um, but I, I just think that they should have brought Mike Pettin back. I can agree. And I don't know how much of that decision is also Mike Pettin. Maybe he, you know, is just like, I don't want to test the waters elsewhere. Who knows? 
Um, I think I think if that was it, I think if that was the situation, it would be well, it would be more known. Yeah, I mean, the press release came out very non-committal to either side. It was just like uh, Mike Pettin will not be returning next year. That's all it said. It didn't say like that. Packers chose not to re-sign him. They didn't say that Mike Pettin chose to go elsewhere or anything. It was very on that line, didn't give anything to run with. But uh, I also do think that there needed to be a change because, you know, we've got talent on defense and some of the play calls and stuff, and Mike Pettin was that defensive play caller. Um but you gotta live with your calls and die with your calls. So, you, I I don't know. It's just I hope that whoever they bring in is more consistent. Cause man, we had hot defense when it was hot and cold defense when it was cold, and it seemed like the most consistent thing about our defense was we would give up big plays. <laughs> so I want to see that go bye bye, and I. I I just don't see that happening, to be honest, but we'll see. The more and more I think about it, the more what you said, that Packers are going to take a step back next year, makes perfect sense to me. I'm like, they might make playoffs, but I just, I don't know. I don't see them taking a deep run at it all of a sudden, unless some things work out. We'll see. Well, I I want to make a comment on that. Um, I know we're supposed to be talking about coordinators and stuff here, but. Uh, I've been watching a lot of podcasts since we started doing this, and um, I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember ex-Indianapolis Colts punter Pat McAfee, but he's he's got a podcast, and I like watching him. He's, he's hilarious. I love the Pat McAfee show. Um, anyways. Rogers has been a regular on that show. Um, he had TJ Lang on the other day. Nice. And uh, who used to be, I believe, a guard for the Packers. Yes, sir. Um, Go Bowler. And he had made a comment that got taken out of context that uh, Rodgers was hell-bent on revenge against the Packers front office or whoever. I know there's... Packers is structured differently than most teams. Yes. Because it's an owner-based thing, but um, but then he was explaining now what he meant was like he thinks that Rodgers is going to go to whoever 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 makes decisions in, in Green Bay and do kind of like what Tom Brady did. Like, alright. Now, I'm, you know, you draft this quarterback or whatever, but now you don't go get me this guy. And this guy. And this guy. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> that was amazing that Tom Brady basically was like, I want these players. And Tampa Bay was like, okay. Yeah, and made it to? work. Yeah, and made it work because they bought in. They believed him. And it, it's, it just sucks seeing Rodgers be so legendary and like have to fucking bark up the tree. And be told that's not his place. He's not the personnel person. Or <laughs> like, come on, man. He's earned it. Right. Let yeah. him have his shot. If it fails, then we fail with him. 
You know, like. <laughs> and and it could happen, like 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 what what um Corey or not, not Corey. T.J. Lang. T.J. Lang. I want to score the kid named Corey Lang. Uh, what T.J. Lang was saying made perfect sense to me. Like, perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but... It's just like that, that post-game comment that he made about nobody being safe. <coughs> Excuse me. That Rodgers made about nobody really being safe, including himself. You know, that was taken out of context and blown up and stuff, too. And he later basically explained on the Pat McAfee show that he meant that in terms of he wants to see the Packers re-sign some players and play, you know, players that he wants to see re-signed and is close to and stuff, his buddies and himself haven't really heard from the Packers about that kind of stuff. It's all kept so hush-hush. And he wants it to be known, like, hey, like, these guys shouldn't feel questionable. They should know their futures. We should be communicating with them what our intentions are. Because I don't even know my future. I think I know, but you've never said anything. <laughs> you know? Uh, T.J. Lang was saying something kind of like that, too. Um, but only like, hey, like I was saying about the free agents, but only the free agents on the Packers. Yeah. Like, I want Aaron Jones back, or I want... Exactly. Whoever, you know, mm-hmm. I was, they got an old lineman out of Ohio State, he's up, his contract's up. Corey Lindsley. Yeah, Corey Lindsley, um, and, you know, whoever... Yeah, I, I absolutely so, agree. I think that Rodgers should get um, like 90% decision-making ability on who gets re-signed and, you know, like who they bring in and all that. Like he should be able to just say, I want this guy, and they should at least try to make it happen and buy into him. If they can't make it happen, then, you know, it, it better be – because it's a terrible business decision, you know. Because we're not going to sit here and say that Rogers knows how to run the business perfectly like a business. But he's a pretty well-proven, like, offensive mastermind. He knows everything that's happening out there on the field. So I think you want to put all the personnel out there that he knows and trusts. We'll see how the relationship continues to grow between, or grow or ungrow, or you know, or go yeah. stale, I guess, between he and the the organization. Um, because I I love the Packers, but I have reservations about you know being a shareholder team and and that front office just not being in sync with Rodgers. Because uh, it definitely needs to be. He's the most important player on that team. Yeah, I think I think the Packers will give him what he wants. I hope so. After winning the MVP this year, they almost have to. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well. Did you talk about offensive coordinator? Um, I don't think they've changed their offensive coordinator. Oh. 
I thought they did. My bad. Defense and special teams coordinator. <sighs> so I've said all I need to say. Um, unless you got anything else. Uh, not on Green Bay. I just wanted to share that uh, that video I watched on TJ Lang on the Pat McAfee show. Um, we'll move on to uh, some. Talked about it in the first, uh, in the uh, 9A episode. I'm going to talk a little bit more here in 9B. Um, as far as this Wentz trade dilemma goes, um, I expect him to be traded. I was hope. I, I, I honestly, I was hoping that he was going to be traded before the Super Bowl. Yeah, it would have been really cool to have that breaking news come in. Yeah, um... Just for the show aspect. And for all we know, it could have happened, but, you know, the NFL is asking them to withhold any yeah. press releases so that, you know, Super Bowl gets all of its opportunities for making money. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think come, I think by, by Wednesday, you know, It'll be a done deal. It'll be to Chicago. Um, we'll see it though, because you know we uh, also watched that video where they've heard reports that Eagles haven't received any trade offers for once, and that was just the Eagles fishing to see if other people would start making offers. Uh, that that's by Dan Patrick. That's I mean. He could be right, but it's. I've seen way too many people report that that there's been. Yeah. That there's. People who are closer to the Eagles organization than. I mean, even closer to the NFL as a whole than Dan Patrick. I mean, he kind of does all sports. Yeah. Um. I mean. I think I think once is being traded. Yeah. I hope he is, uh, just because I think it's a lose-lose for the Eagles, just like we discussed earlier. Yeah, at this point, I hope he is, too. It's, it's time to part ways. It's time to... Because if he's not traded and, you know, he basically knows that Eagles have been chopping him, they don't think he's the guy. <laughs> Why do you want to come out and even perform? Like, take your paycheck and just fucking sit the bench and be the backup then. You know, I, I mean, I guess if you're if you're really wanting to be legendary, then it doesn't matter. You come in, you beat out Jalen Hurts, and you make him look like a little bitch because you're just that fired up. You know what I mean? But I I haven't really gotten that vibe from Wentz that he's that type of guy. Um, you know, he's starting to show his true colors that. He's a little bit of a diva, maybe. Uh, I think that's a, I think it's more than a little bit. <laughs> um, just from some of the stuff that I've read, I'm starting to wonder if, if he's like on that T.O. Chad Johnson level diva, like without all the flashiness. Yeah, I, I can't be touched, and everything's gotta be my way and come through me. And, don't you talk bad about me. Right. 
I didn't get that vibe of him coming out. You know, I seen a lot of his. Um, because at the scouting combine they had meetings and stuff, and they asked you all kinds of questions. And I watched a lot of his interviews, and he didn't come off as that kind of guy. But I guess when you watch your court, your backup quarterback take your team after you led your team to eleven and one start. And your backup quarterback comes in and takes your team wins Super Bowl, wins Super Bowl MVP. Maybe that's the kind of shit that happens. Maybe it changes people. I don't know. Yeah, man. I mean, that's just a situation that you would never project. You yeah. instantly kind of wrote off the Eagles. You're like, okay, maybe if they can make the playoffs, Wentz can come back, take them through the playoffs and win, you know, like, if you're an Eagles fan, you're basically planning on Wentz to come back and you're back up to just, you know, carry you. Maybe win a couple of the last few games. Make sure you get in the playoffs. Oh, I'll be the first one to tell you. When Wentz tore his ACL, I said season's over. Yeah. It's, we're done. Absolutely. I, I, I said I said the season's fucking over. I, and I remember, man, I was fucking pissed as fuck. Yep. Because we were so fucking good that year. And he went, he fucking dove into the end zone and tore his ACL. And I was like, God damn it, man. Every fucking time we started, I remember in 06, it happened to McNabb, dude. Fucking McNabb was rolling. Like, that was the best start to a season McNabb ever had, even when he had T.O. And he didn't have T.O. in 06. He had, uh, uh, we had Stallworth and Reggie Brown at receiver. And he was just fucking rolling, dude. And we were playing the Titans one day, and he was uh, scrambling up by the line of scrimmage on the sideline and popped. Yep. Didn't get touched. Wasn't touched. Yep. When I tore my ACL, nobody was nobody touched me. I want the Juca dude out. And my knee juked me out. (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, literally going to score my seventh touchdown. It was flag football. But I was going to score my seventh touchdown, personally. (laughs) For that game or for for the season? For that game. Damn. I was lighting it up. Nobody expected this fat dude (laughs) to go out there and be able to, like, break like juke people out into where you know he's not they weren't touching my flag all night i went to juke a dude out and just bam i heard this pop snap crackle pop and it just felt literally like my knee exploded from the inside man it was just the worst excruciating pain it swelled up and got real stiff almost like if you ever you know seen a an animal like a dog or a cat or something, you see one pass away abruptly and they start to stiffen up when they die. That's what happened to my damn knee. I'm like, my knee died. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't walk. And then to, to see a lot of NFL, NBA players, sports stars freaking tear their ACL and be able to just hop up and limp off the field, I'm like baffled by it. 
But then again, I like exploded my ACL. When I finally had an MRI done, they literally were like, where's your ACL? It's not there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever find it? They had to reconstruct it. They had to take part of my hamstring and make a new ACL. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so literally, your ACL died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my new ACL, it, it's, it's shitty. I, I wish uh, I had gotten a cadaver uh, instead of them reconstructing my hamstring because uh, cadaver is a full size and your hamstring's not nearly as big as your normal ACL. So... You know, my knee still feels pretty unstable compared to uh, a normal knee. But uh, what you were saying about you know you were unstoppable, I know what that feels like. Cause I remember when I was in high school, going to gym. I didn't I didn't play football in school. Going to gym and they're like, we're playing fan football today. I was like, okay, okay. So I was on. Uh, Quarterback on my team was a starting receiver on the on the high school team. He starts throwing me the ball and can't nobody fucking guard me. Can't nobody fucking guard me, dude. I'm fucking every time I touch the ball, I'm taking the end zone. <laughs> and this this guy's like, damn, he's he catch pretty fucking good, decently fast too. And he asked me, you ever thought about trying out for the team? I'm like, dude, I smoke weed. I can't. Remember. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, just because somebody looks like they ain't athletic, don't mean they ain't athletic. True that. And with that, uh, with marijuana becoming legal in more and more states every year, I just, I do feel like it's going to end up being legal in the NFL too one day. It's it's years down the road. They've already they've already been talking about it. Yeah, they're already making they're more lenient on the suspensions and stuff. But it's it's the players that have like shown signs of uh, addiction problems to it. I'm like, yeah. And by the way, for our audience, I do not smoke weed anymore. I want to put that out there. Don't think I'm some kind of fucking drug addict or something. (laughs) That was when I was in high school. When I was young and dumb. It's a special occasion thing for me. Only when I'm in a state where it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, let's talk about the scouting combine and a free and see preview. The only thing I was really going to say about free and see uh, is star studded this year. There's a lot of good football players. Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting thinking about all the free agents and the draft. And a star-studded draft. Yeah, like. Um. Yeah. I, and, and it's it's going to be interesting. Yep. In a lot of years past, we've we've heard terms like you know dry free agency. Kind of a low draft, like all oh, your best picks are in the first round. <laughs> and then it's you know like shit. There is this draft is really deep. There's gonna be excellent picks all the way third, fourth round. Yeah. Um, and then free agency. There's just tons of really talented players and stuff out there. So it's it's really fun to watch 
Um, the NFL like evolving because with all the action, all the great talent that's available and stuff too. And then you, you gotta, it really starts to get down to like good personnel management and you know good business running uh, skills. You know, like there's risks that are calculated and it's awesome like um you really honestly you saw Tampa Bay take advantage of a whole bunch of those free agents that were super talented you know sure they might have been taking a risk on a lot of them but Tom Brady knew what he had who he trusted what he wanted and basically told them hey sign these guys and we'll be fine just trust me (laughs) and they did and it worked obviously yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, so I mean if Aaron Rodgers does decide to pull something like that and he does get his way Green Bay that's, that, that's the only way I see Green Bay not taking a step back is if they do that yeah if they are they may um, take a step forward if yeah if, they're able if they to, do that to pull off some, some awesome miracles I also think uh, I don't know if you heard but Kudos to um, Drew Brees taking a huge pay cut, willing to, to take the league minimum next year so that Saints can clear up cap trouble. That's $24, $25 million. He literally just took a pay cut so that the Saints can restructure their cap and sign, re-sign a bunch of players. So Drew Brees is coming back? Uh, I don't know if he's coming back or if he just took the pay cut because they were still due to pay him for the season or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, we'll get more information and maybe cover that uh, next episode, episode 10. Um, in fact, episode 10... Uh, previews here. We're definitely going to obviously focus heavily on scouting combine and free agency. Yeah, um, but we will tell you that uh, probably going to be about a month away. Yep. Um, I have some work travel. We want to do some restructuring of the show. Um, and we're going to start also practicing live, so maybe... I, I, would, I would like for our draft our draft episode to be our first live episode. Hell yeah. Um, Because I'm... And you can do one also, Nana, if you like, but I'm doing a, a full mock draft. Yeah? A full first round mock draft. Absolutely. Um, and I would like to share that live. Um, so, yeah. You have anything else for today? I'm set, you know. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, um, you and I uh, were really close during our teenage years, and um, we kind of shifted apart here in the middle of our adulthood, and I've since got back and been spending a lot of time together, and I just want to say it's, it's been... It's been fun the last, what, what did you say, three months? Three, four months, yeah. Once a week 
Um, I mean, we don't do what we used to do, but I mean, it's a little bit different and been a lot of fun. It's, it's definitely a lot of fun. I'm man. glad you came up with this idea. <laughs> I'm glad that, <laughs> you know, um, you're, you're like the brains behind the operation in, in a sense, because I, sure I had the idea and I'm like, it's not that hard because you know me, I'm a pioneer. I'm never afraid to do anything. But sometimes I can help get something started, and then I'm just too busy <laughs> to really like <laughs> put in the effort to keep it going myself because I got everything else going on. And, yeah. and you're doing all the work, man. I appreciate that. All I got to do is kind of keep up with, up to date on what's going on in the NFL and college yep. football, and, and come here and talk. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, we get the bullshit. Freaking take jabs at each other. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll be doing this a long, long time. I hope so. I, I don't see why not. <clears throat> well, I'm going to sign us out. This was the 9B episode of the Kai Dan Football Podcast. Yeah, yeah.